Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi guys, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. Thanks for joining us and welcome back to the Dead Parent Club podcast. Each week we're going to be talking about what it's like to be members of the Dead Parent Club and chatting to some brilliant guests about their grieving journeys. We'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us that can give you some top advice on navigating this new normal. So welcome on board to the Dead Parent Club. This week we're joined by author Katie Collins, whose dad suddenly passed away in 2017 while he was out walking his five-month-old granddaughter, Everly. We're going to be talking to Katie about what it was like being a new mum at that time, how she strives to live in the moment and how she's used her personal experiences in her writing. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Hi, Katie. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us all the way from your very glamorous garage. Um, <laughs> for anyone who can't see Katie, who's just listening to us, you converted your garage pre-lockdown and it's been an absolute savior for you, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's been the best thing ever. Kind of space, shut the door, keep the kids out, the husband out. I love it. <laughs> I like it. Well, it looks fancier than any area in my house. Let's put it that way, Katie. <laughs> Katie, just give us a bit of your backstory because... We know it is so 10 years ago that you were the backpacking Bridget Jones. And since then, a lot has happened in your world. And it seems as an outsider that you've used your experiences, which I'm sure have been very difficult, but for the good and to try and help others. So for anyone listening, just give us a background on your story. Okay, so I was named the backpacking Bridget Jones by the kind of global media. This is a couple of years ago now because I was meant to get married and I had planned the whole kind of big wedding. And just before it happened, my fiance left me. And I decided instead of just sitting there and eating ice cream and kind of wallowing in my sadness, I was going to jack in my job, sell my house, sell my car, sell everything that I couldn't fit into a backpack and then book a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia by myself. Goals. which my family thought I'd lost the plot because I've never traveled <laughs> anywhere on my own. And I started a blog, and which was notwedordead.com. And that blog just blew up. And I suddenly had all these people kind of following my journey as I was kind of getting over heartbreak as I was traveling by myself and discovering myself. Then what later happened, which kind of the twist to the tale, is I wrote about it for a local newspaper and the guy who was helping me with my story. We used to go to university together and he kind of was the one that put my story out in the world. And now we got married, we've got children our own and that would never have happened if kind of this whole magic circle of life came together. 
Isn't that amazing just how things just fall into place in situations like that? I mean, that is amazing. What what a story. <laughs> and, you know, it, in many ways, it like you say, it's almost like the fairy tale happy ending, Katie. But your road, your life and how things have planned out haven't always gone that way, have they? And that is what brings you to the Dead Parent Club podcast today. Yeah, so the reason I'm here as a member is that in 2017, which was the best and the worst year of my life, so the best year because in that January was when me and my lovely husband got married, in the May I had my first, we had our first daughter together, and then in the November my dad passed away. So it was a complete roller coaster of emotions that year, one I'll never forget. Wow, I mean, I feel like you have such a huge whirlwind of emotions just when you have a child and then to then have to kind of navigate becoming a parent and then also the loss of your dad. How did you feel at that time, feeling these emotions of such high elation and love towards your child, but also these huge feelings of like grief and loss? It was just insane. And I think the thing, so in the intro, you said she was, she was five months old, my, my daughter, when my dad was out walking with her. So I was to have no sleep, you know, I'm kind of sleep deprived zombie as it was. And then to suddenly be hit by this unimaginable pain of grief that I had just never experienced before. I just thought I was losing my mind. I was numb and I just, but then I also had this beautiful, amazing little tiny baby that needed me. It was a real roller coaster. You can go into as much or as little detail as you like, Katie, but do you mind talking us through what happened to your dad? It was a completely normal day in November, a quite a sunny day actually, and me and my husband were both working from home and my dad said he'd look after our baby for a little bit whilst he got some work done because I was writing my next novel. And we just dropped him off in the morning and he was going to take him out for a walk and pick up some bits for lunch for dinner and we'd already had plans that we were going to have some tea that night and it was just not so, so normal. And I gave him a hug in the kitchen and I gave him a kiss and I just said, right, see you later. I put her in her little snowsuit, tucked her in a pushchair and that was it. And off they went. And then I had this call that from a neighbour who said, I've just seen an ambulance go by. And it transpired later on that um, he'd, he'd been out walking with her and had just suffered a fatal heart attack just instantly. Here one moment, gone the next. No one could save him. It was just tragic and the this the shock of it was kind of compelled by the fact that for a couple of hours we didn't know where he was we didn't know where my daughter was thinking back now I, I can't really it's still kind of quite fragmented that day a lot of the memories kind of don't make sense and we had to call around all the different hospitals and at the time I thought oh god I'm gonna be right annoyed at him the silly sod what's he doing is that a fall you know how do you know she needs a feed just thinking he had an accident my husband managed to locate the local police that said yeah we've got your daughter and he then went to get her and again I was still thinking oh right you know something's happened he's gone to a hospital but we didn't know that he had died um and the next thing was we went to my aunties and we kind of rallied around trying to call them all these hospitals and the policewoman got out of the car holding my daughter and I thought it's weird why is she holding her why is she not in a car seat um and she just passed her to me and just said I'm really sorry. And my husband said, no, no, I need to be the one to tell her. And he said, dad's, dad's died. And I just wow. just fell to the floor in just complete shock. And then five minutes later, I said, she needs a feed. I've not fed her for hours and she, I was breastfeeding. So I just had to sit on the sofa 
breastfeeding her, kind of giving her life as I'd just lost the most important person in my life. How did you find balancing then at that point the needs of your daughter and also, you know, when somebody dies, you're just like bombarded by responsibilities, organising a funeral, probate, all that sort of stuff. So how were those kind of first few weeks of you when it all just becomes really hectic, doesn't it? My mum and dad, they separated. So my mum lives in Liverpool, my dad lives in the Midlands. So she, they had a fantastic relationship, but it was kind of me and my brother that then were in charge of everything. Like you said, all the kind of adult stuff that you suddenly mm. like, oh my God, there's so much. How do we even about. do it? <laughs> yeah, there's no guidebook. And yeah, mm. one minute I'm like planning baby classes. The next I'm planning like, you know, funeral corsage. Like it's just bonkers. And I think I'm lucky that I, my brother, he's only two years younger than me and, and we're really close. So we had each other to kind of lean on. And with my daughter, I just was in that kind of numb phase of eat, sleep, feed, repeat, just kind of going through the cycles, I guess. But it was going to the funeral home and meeting this lady who was, who was probably about our age. And I just thought, God, what made you do a job like this? Like, mm-hmm. how do you yeah. kind of every day you're in this industry that I had no idea of, the kind of funeral and grief industry? It's just made up of some incredible people. And that kind of inspired me later on to write my latest novel, which was How to Say Goodbye, which is set in a funeral home. So I think even then in that situation, my head was still ticking of like ideas and trying to think I'm going to make something good come out of this. And I want to talk about your novels in a bit. I mean, that period, like you said, where you were just in this phase of just sort of eating, looking after your child, like just getting through every day. How long did that go on for, do you think, Katie? Oh, God, a couple of months, I think, because she was so reliant on me at that stage. And then what happened was, obviously, he lived alone in his house and we had to kind of probate and get it all assessed and the, I can't remember the technical terms now. We thought we were going to sell the house. An estate regiment commander said, oh, this will get snapped up. Someone could knock through that wall. Someone could put a fireplace in it. And I thought, no, 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 <laughs> <laughs> this is my house. And I, I just instantly was like, right, we're moving in here. So then I was really busy with, moving out of our old house, moving into here and all those sort of plans. So I think I just manically kept myself busy with stuff, you know? Would you say you're a high functioning griever then? (laughs) Because I think think... me and Kat can empathise with that. Massively. It's it's a real life thing, isn't it? People are looking at you like, you should be sat there wallowing, what's going on? And you're like, you're going at 100 miles an hour just to keep Mm -hmm. yourself sane. It was that thing that I shared, wasn't it, the other day when I said like the reason that we're constantly keeping ourselves busy is because we are actually too afraid to sit still because what you've been through is so huge. It's like you feel like those emotions are going to come crashing down any moment and you're going to crack. So just keep going. (laughs) And in the grand scheme of things, when you compare the stuff that you, Katie, you, Kat and I do daily, when you compare them to the loss of a very close loved one, they're redundant things, aren't they? They're things that don't matter really in the grand scheme of things comparably. So it's a great distraction, isn't it, from our grief to do those things. How long did you carry this grief until you thought, right, I need to talk about it, write about it, whatever your outlet may be? I had to deliver my novel, uh, I had a deadline, and I had written a book, kind of, which followed in for my previous novels, which were all kind of light-hearted rom-coms, kind of about a backpacking Bridget Jones-type woman, mm. and, and I had written this whole novel, and I went to see my editor, and I said, I can't write this book, this is just, it's, it's not me, I'm not feeling this, like, I've suddenly gr- gone, in, I've, like, gone into this like adult slipped. world, 
yeah mm. yeah and this world isn't me I don't have these kind of same issues that this this character has and I said I want to write a book set in a funeral home and she looked at me like I was mad but then I said <laughs> I think she could see that you know that I had the passion because my novels are very uplifting and I think she thought that might be a bit too dark and are people going to buy books about death and grief and can you put a spin on that and make them kind of have a happy ending but I knew that I wanted to tell this side because I just felt so unprepared when I was planning a funeral and all the kind of after effects and the emotional effects that I just thought surely other people have gone through this but also if they haven't then maybe this might help them so writing definitely helped me. I resonate with what you said there so much about how you were like obviously writing this novel before that was so like hearted and you felt like an internal kind of switch whereas like this isn't right for me anymore so like we've kind of spoken about as well how grief does change you as a person do you feel like it kind of changed your home life as well like you're kind of I know it was very early on but like your relationship with your daughter your relationship with your partner like do you feel like it changed your outlook to those yeah I just think I got the real wake up of like the fragility of life so mm. I just welcomed her into the world and we had this lovely home birth and everything was so magical and, and you know, that's a miracle in itself. And then suddenly I've lost my dad and that foreverness, I think, has haunted me and still will. And I think, I, I do think about death every single day, really, not in the kind of morbid sense, but I just Especially aware if you're writing it. about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and I, yeah, I just think it, it changes your outlook on everything. You are a different person. And there's no denying that. What single thing would you say, if someone was to say to you, since the passing of your dad, what is the one single thing that you would say has changed the most about you? I know our outlook changes, our priorities change, but would you say there's one single thing? Like for me, I think realizing since mum died, who I am, that was the single thing I realized I learned who I was. What would you say that is for you? I think when I was heartbroken before and and went backpacking and kind of changed my life already, I thought I was strong, you know, and I kind of was, I had lots of messages from people saying how brave I was, but I didn't realise until I lost my dad just how strong I could be. And that, you know, getting over heartbreak seems like a walk in the park, which it wasn't. Yeah. It was really tough, but dealing with a grieving, just dealing with it as a grieving kind of new mother was just a complete world away from that and I've got through it and I continue to get through it and it's interesting your point before about saying kind of you you kind of keep going because you don't want to stop and let those emotions in and even last night I had a conversation with my husband and he was saying you need to take a break like I've just been like book book baby because I've had another baby since then (laughs) um so yeah it helps me to keep going I think I think that's going to be the title of this book, book, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's very good, Casey. Very good. To three Bs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how old your second child is, but your first child will be a few years old now. Do you talk about your dad? Are you really open about grief, about life and death? And have there been any questions yet about where's granddad? No, there hasn't been. So she's, she's she'll be four next month and she's still too young she doesn't Mm. remember him and there's one photo in her bedroom of him and I say oh that was your granddad and he loved you Mm. so much and she's got in this photo she's in the blanket that she's got on her bed so she can kind of work out that is her but Mm. she's just too young and that's the only picture I've got in the house I'm still not even three four years on I'm still not ready to kind of fill my house with him it's strange and I kind of, one of my friends who became a very close friend in the grieving process because I realised that she lost her dad very suddenly as well and we found this magical bond together. And her house has so many photos of her dad, but she lost him 11 years ago. And, she, and I mm. said to her, God, I feel really guilty. You know, I've got no photos of him, and, but I've just, I can't look at him just yet. 
and she was like god it's taken me 11 years to get to this stage so (laughs) you're you're living in his old house though right yeah yeah so I suppose that's kind of like one of those things where you might not have photos of him but you're living in his like brick and mortar do you know what I mean like I think it's kind of different it must kind of bring you a different kind of subconscious piece Oh, I love it. And I just think, like, so we think if we ever want another baby, we'll have to move because it's, it's not big enough. But I'm like, I can, <laughs> never, I can never leave this house because yeah. it's him. It's he's an, you know, he is here. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Where are you at with your grief now, Katie? I don't know. It's a hard one. I kind of tell myself I'm doing okay and I'm fine and, you know, not over it. Obviously, you never are. But to the stage where I can talk to you guys. But actually, in the run-up to doing this, I have been quite nervous about it and quite anxious. I thought, what if I suddenly burst into tears? So there's still that kind of moment of wobble, I guess. But I desperately do want to keep talking about grief, keep talking about my dad and letting people know that it is okay. It's not this taboo subject. We do need to talk about it more. And I guess I need to make sure I'm being strong enough myself to do that too. Obviously, from writing your books and stuff, you have become like, you know, part of the grief community on social media, which you will have seen yourself as kind of like growing and growing, which is a sad thing, also a happy thing at the same time because <laughs> people are finding support from one another. But have you had like, a lot of people kind of messaging you about your books to kind of commend you for talking about it and for having fiction books out there that you can read that talk about what you've experienced? It must be really helpful for people. Yeah, I've been honestly blown away by how many messages I've had from readers and and also from readers who said I've I've just recently lost someone and I wasn't sure if I was ready to read about it or kind of how 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 painful it might be. But because the tone of the novel, How to Say Goodbye, is so lighthearted and, and sensitive, I think people have kind of said it was like a hug. It was like, you know, someone's gone through this and they understand and I resonate with that. It's not like a how to, you know, help self-help guide because there is none of that that kind of you know every person is different even in my latest novel which only came out a couple of months ago which is called the best is yet to come that has themes of grief running through and I think I probably will never write another novel that doesn't have themes of grief and Mm. loss because I now know what that feels like and I can write characters like that so that's kind of a positive from it I guess. Do you feel like it's made you almost a better novelist because you have that added life experience that you can put into writing? 
think, yeah, I definitely think so. Grief is universal. It's something we're all going to go through and deal with. And having gone through it at such a young age, I think, well, I can share that and help others, I hope, through talking about it and reading about it. What would you say to someone now, Katie, who had been in a similar situation to you quite recently? You know, say they've just lost their father or their mother or a close person. What would you say to them? What would your words of wisdom be? Oh, my God, it's such a cliche, but it does get easier. (laughs) So I just remember thinking I will never wake up and not cry. I just thought I'll never do that. And I, I do. I wake up and I laugh and I see the kids and, you know, I get through half the day and sometimes I get through a whole day and I don't think about him. And when I do think about him, it's not always unhappy. Sometimes it's, oh, God, remember when he did that or said that or he'd love that. <laughs> or, and I just think those happy memories will come at the, at the beginning. It is so overwhelming and you do have to kind of take care of yourself, a lot of self-care, going, you know, looking after yourself. But it is a roller coaster, but it does get easier. Am I right in saying that you yourself have, um, you've had bereavement counselling? Yes. So when I fell pregnant with my son, who's just turned two, I thought I need to get on top of this. I was nervous about maybe getting postnatal depression or if this might kind of, you know, as soon as I found out that I was having a boy, I was like, oh my God, like my dad's never going to meet this son. And I just, it, it brought another kind of wave of kind of grief emotions. That I thought I'm going to tackle this head on. So I went to cruise counselling and had this wonderful, oh my God, fantastic kind of volunteers that give up their time just to help other people. And I met this woman called Jackie and I waddled in with my massive pregnant belly and I just (laughs) sat there and just went for a whole box of tissues sobbing and laughing or, and it was just the best thing ever. And I wish I'd probably done that earlier, but I'm so glad that I did do it. What was your dad's name, Katie? Colin. Katie Collins is is my namesake to him. Oh, amazing. (laughs) So tell us about Colin. Tell us a few of your favourite memories and tell us what he was like as a character. So he was very quiet. He kind of watched everything. He observed everything, which I sometimes thought he didn't go in, but it did. He he clocked everything. Like if I had a boyfriend that came round that maybe wasn't treating me as nicely, he'd be there and he'd like, you know, picking me up on it later. And he was funny and witty in his own kind of quiet, modest way he lived a very simple life he kind of didn't you know didn't live a high life or anything and the saddest thing about this was that he had worked all his life and he'd just retired and then you know he'd saved for this magical retirement that he was going to travel and do all these things that he'd put off and he'd got taken away from him which was just the saddest thing and it has made me think right, I definitely want to do all those things and tick all those things off and I've been frustrated with lockdown because it's yeah, yeah. from doing all those things uh, I've said that because um, <laughs> you do want to just like live each day and you know make mm-hmm. the most make all these memories because he left us money which he'd saved up which is great and it's helped me and my brother out but I wish he'd also had the chance to have seen the world and tick these things off himself but he was such a lovely man and my best friend in the non-cheesiest way we had a really good father-daughter relationship and one of the funny stories that I remember is when I when I had my first period my mum took him to one side and said oh Katie's now going through this and he didn't say a thing because I was mortified I do not tell my dad and because my parents were separated I was staying at his house that weekend and I got I got in and in my bedroom he'd brought me like 10 magazines a whole bag of chocolate all these different things and he never said a word but it was just there on the bed and I was just thought that's that was kind of quiet yeah (laughs) Colin what a guy (laughs) he sounds wonderful Katie he really does sound wonderful 
<laughs> he does. I think you've given so, so much to us and to the people listening. So thank you. Thank you I so think much. One thing I'd like to ask is there'll be people listening that have just lost a parent and are pregnant or have just had children. What would you say to any new mums or new dads, just new parents in general who have just experienced a big loss of somebody who were brought up saying, you know, they're going to be there to support you when you're bringing up these children. That's ingrained in our society, isn't it? So what would you say to them about bringing up a child without their granddad or without your parent? So because my dad was about to retire, we thought we had built-in childcare. We were mm. good yeah. <laughs> We loved yeah. that Free that babysitter. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so we had all those plans. We thought, you know, he's going to do everything. And he, you know, he, he didn't. And that made me sad that when I feel a lot of frustrations with a lot of my friends who have built-in childcare, they have both their sets of parents or their grandparents as well. And I just don't have any of that. My mum doesn't live close. We don't have anyone else who lives around us to help out. And sometimes I find that, challenging when they take it for granted and they're like mm. oh yeah I'm just swanning off to doing this and that and I'm, and I'm just thinking you're so lucky what you're saying there a lot of people resonate with you know having the people around you that get to have things like free childcare that people take for granted and actually Katie you're a bit of an inspiration for someone like me because I can't speak for Kat but I know I would like children in the future and one of my biggest fears is I don't have my mum I don't have my nana Who's going to help me? Because I, I've seen how difficult it is with friends that are parents that have parents to help. So it, you are quite an inspiration for me because it's proof that not only can you do it, you can do it whilst, you know, pursuing your career and being happy and having being a, a healthy home life. Yeah. <laughs> and doing all of those things. So genuinely you are like, that is, it's, it's a bit of a relief to meet someone like you. Cause I'm like, oh, there is hope. I can do it. And I might still have a life as well. Oh, that is <laughs> <Might>. so <laughs> That Just, is yeah. so lovely. I honestly, I feel like I'm that swan where I'm kind of on the surface, but underneath I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my God, this is so much. And Don't kill it? the dream for me, Katie. But genuinely... Thank you, because I, I don't know about you, Kat, but it is when you hear people talk who are parents and don't have a parent to help with it, because obviously I do have my dad, but, you know, it's my mum that I would have turned to first yeah. and foremost yeah. as a woman to help me. So, yeah, thank you. because and, and also, amen to you absolutely smashing it, can we just add? Yeah, like, brilliant. how amazing that you're doing all of these things. And I'm sure that your dad will be extremely proud of you. Thank you. Don't say set me off. <laughs> <laughs> what you said earlier about how, you know, sometimes you get worried you're going to cry out of the blue. That doesn't end. Sorry yeah, to tell yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 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 <laughs> You've been fantastic, Katie. Aww. I tell you what, given that you said you were a bit anxious about talking and stuff and I, amazing. You, uh, thank you. Yeah, You've thank been you wonderful so and so, so insightful. So many, yeah, I, love, I love when we have a podcast now at the moment. It's like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. happens to me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so thank you, Katie. Is there anything else that you'd like to say or you'd want to, if, if you want to ask, you know, even if you want to ask any of our listeners, if there's anything that they've been through or that you'd like to hear about? Well, I guess the thing about kind of when to talk and how to talk about your mm. parents to your children 
that is something I haven't navigated yet. And I am kind of, you know, unsure of how to do that. I do want to be honest about death. I don't want to just become, you know, wishy-washy with what it is. I think it's important. But even at the moment, even if she sees like a dead insect on the floor, I'm like, oh, do I talk about death? And do I go there with grief? Do I like explain like this, you know, it's gone to a better place? I'm like, no, it's a slug. Just deal with it. Like, <laughs> you can definitely uh, introduce her to uh, last week's guest. Oh, Giles. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we spoke to Giles Paley Phillips, who is a father. He's a platinum member of the Dead Parent Club. He lost mm-hmm. both parents. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you might be aware of Giles because obviously um, fellow author. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, he that was really insightful. I think it's a good idea, Katie, that we do get someone on specifically to mm. talk, maybe even a specialist in how to, um, talk to how to talk to children about grief. So thank you. We will do that. Yeah. And that uh, we'll yeah. let... We'll let you know when we have. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. That would honestly be really, really helpful. So yeah, that'd be good. Well, we'll make that happen. We will. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure, Katie. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining us once again on the Dead Parent Club podcast. Remember, you can reach out if you want to talk to us or if you've got any suggestions on areas to cover in the future. You can drop us an email at hello at deadparentclub.co.uk or find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Dead Parent Club podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.